Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Paul Calvisi joins me to break down Sunday's game against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, the Chiefs' offense is very good. The defense, that side of the ball, may have as many questions as the Cardinals' defense. But first, we celebrate opening nights in the NFL. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 588, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Not that we get into the habit of celebrating other teams' misfortunes or, in this case, Paul defeats. Although, I'll say this, though. I was not disappointed. In fact, there might have been a little cheering privately on what I witnessed Thursday night and the Bills shutting out the Rams in the second half on the way to a 31-10 to opening night win. Down go the Rams. We can all say it. It reminded me of week four last year, did it not? They <laughs> yes, got it did. Physically dominated in that game by the Buffalo Bills. And what what did we talk about this offseason? You can go ahead and we can say OBJ this and uh, you know Darius Williams that. And they added Bobby Wagner. And here comes Allen Robinson. Prove to me that the loss of Andrew Whitworth doesn't destabilize that offensive line. And it looked like a liability, did it not? Joseph Noteboom, a left tackle, is not Andrew Whitworth. And I get it. The Bills' front is awesome. And the addition of Von Miller looks ridiculous. The subtraction from the Rams, the addition to the Bills, obviously that was a big difference in the game. But if you're telling me that they have gone back to the state of the O-line before Andrew Whitworth, back in the days when Jared Goff, which wasn't that long ago, was a crash test dummy, then the Rams are going to have issues all season long. Look, it was one game, and I'm not making a long-term prediction about the rest of the season. Same way with Cardinals and Chiefs on Sunday. But to your point, Matthew Stafford sacked seven times. Ouch. One and a half times, by Mm. the way, by Jordan Phillips, who I think on Thursday night had more production in one single game with the Bills than he did in two years with the Arizona Cardinals. That was a no comprendo. It yeah, really was. was. I mean, he had a season's worth of production in the first half based on his two years with the Cardinals. I, I, I Honestly, I'd love to know what was the disconnect for Jordan Phillips in a Cardinals uniform. I don't think we'll ever know. We, don't know, we do know he got very well paid. And as we've also said in the offseason, I think it was a big reason the Cardinals didn't spend big in free agency this year because they got burned al grande with that expenditure on Jordan Phillips. That never had return on investment. There was zero ROI with Jordan Phillips, and I think because of that, the Cardinals treaded lightly this past offseason. Well, the big dollars were spent on re-signing a Zach Ertz, a James Conner, the known versus the unknown. We heard that from general manager Steve Kime. Now, on the outside, fans don't like it. They like the new toy, but sometimes the toy that you have is just as good, if not better, than what is out on the street or in the analogy in the yeah. market. And before we get into week one, one quick reminder, the Cardinals did the analytics, they did the research, and they crunched the numbers on 
the investment into free agents, NFL free agents that get eight figures or more, and it was not great. I mean, the percentage of return was like one-fifth where you would consider it worth the investment. So based on those numbers or the lack thereof, in terms of putting big money into free agents, uh, the Cardinals went a different direction this offseason. Now we'll see. We'll see how it pays off because a lot has been made, how much they've spent on the offense versus how little they've spent on the defense. And you get Patrick Mahomes here in week one. So uh, once again, that that factoid could be in the crosshairs uh, to start this season. Well, let's get into it. Cardinals and Chiefs coming up on Sunday. 125 is the kickoff. 8.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins. And yes, it is the marquee game on Sunday. Not talking about Sunday night, but Sunday when you have the number one crew Tony Romo, Jim Nance, and company for CBS will be in attendance. Of course, I always tell everyone, if you are if you can't make it to State Farm Stadium, then what you do is you sit in front of the television, and you got the television on, but you turn the sound down. And then you pop Her on yep. the Arizona Cardinals radio network That's and right. listen to Dave Pash, Ron yep. Wolfley, and yours truly, Paul Calvisi. That's right. And there's a lot to watch. There's a lot to listen to. I mean, we got storylines everywhere, not just the two quarterbacks, Kyler against Mahomes, but obviously Mahomes against his former college head coach. You have a lot of similar questions on either side of the ball. Can either team generate a pass rush? What does each offense look like minus its number one receiver from a year ago? Tyreek Hill is gone forever. D Hop is gone for the first six games. I mean, where do you want to start in this one, Gree? Because yeah, there's a and you know what? People are going to be streaming into the BetMGM Sportsbook for the first yep. time alongside the Great Lawn. I was out there the other day in the debut event featuring a lot of luminaries. <laughs> That delivers. So, look, uh, you know what? If sports is entertainment, sports just got a lot more entertaining with the opening of that venue uh, out at State Farm Stadium. Going to have to start calling you Polly MC. Polly Parlay. Although I'm prohibited. <laughs> it, it's true. only for sporting purposes, so not, you, you, not you financial. Got, you got the hall pass to walk into that <laughs> building, and, and I don't have that. Yeah. So yeah. I'm never, not even going to attempt. Never again, because, see, I was working. I was It was a work. That, that's that's the provision <laughs> upon which you can walk in, and I can be Pauly prop bet, but no longer. All right, yeah. you asked the question here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Where do we want to begin when we talk about Chiefs and Cardinals? The easy is going to the offense, but... But let's talk about the defense, and when we talk about it, because you brought it up, the pass rush. How about this nugget that broke on Friday? According to ESPN's Field Yates, Marcus Golden, who returned to practice on Thursday for the first time since August 1st, on the practice field again on Friday, and, oh, also, according to Field Yates, got a one-year contract extension worth up to $6.5 million. So the junkyard dog not only is healthy – quote unquote think not yep. sure yep. but he is certainly well paid and happy and good to have number 44 on yeah. the field Sunday yeah and not a regular season game too soon so okay if you just dismiss the preseason which we all largely do to a large degree these days you're just trying to figure out who is available and in uniform week one so 44 is going to be there how many reps and what capacity we'll find out but I do think the Cardinals have an underrated rotation of edge rushers. We'll see. Minus a Hall of Famer like Chandler Jones, you never know. But Marcus Golden has been there and done that with a trio of double-digit sack seasons, including last year. If you're looking for a guy who might be more motivated than anyone on the field, Devon Kennard. I, I, he, I'm going to tell you, I had a chance to talk with him a little bit in the locker room. He's coming with an edge. 
and he's coming with something to prove. And so I am really intrigued to watch 42, Devon Kennard. And then, of course, we know about Victor D. Mukherjee. I mean, he, he really redefined his body and, and redefined his game, and he made a huge step from week from his first season to this year. It looked legit, the explosion off the edge. You know he's stout in setting the run. And then Dennis Gardeck. A lot of people think nobody looked better than Dennis Gardeck during Cardinals camp. And so his explosion and how he's a problem for tackles, I'm really curious to see because as every single guy in that locker room and on that defense, and Vance Joseph included, has cited, they're not going to beat Patrick Mahomes unless they get to Patrick Mahomes. And how do you get to Patrick Mahomes? How do you manufacture that pass rush? Can you do it with just four? Or do you have to bring someone else, i.e. maybe an Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, Buda Baker, who likes to rush from the outside, just to kind of give Mahomes a different look? Not that he hasn't seen everything already, but to get his eyes shifting in different places and make sure he's, okay, I would say make him uncomfortable, but this is a quarterback, Paul, that can look very comfortable in uncomfortable yeah. situations. He uses that his scrambling ability not so much to gain yards, but to buy time for his pass catchers. Much more athletic than I think most people give him credit for. All the Cardinals DBs talk about that, staying plastered to your receiver, which means you got to stay in the hip pocket until Patrick Mahomes goes down. And even when he's going down, sometimes he'll get off those sidearm throws and the other off-platform throws that he's able to make. There are circumstances where a typical quarterback is going down and he has no chance to make a completion. That's not the case with Patrick Mahomes and those baseball arm angles. And I've told this story, and I'll tell it again. It was Kyler's rookie years after the first big mandatory minicamp practice, and Patrick Peterson came to his locker, and he kind of dropped his helmet and said, man, these baseball quarterbacks are killing me. And he cited Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and now Kyler Murray. And there's just something about their ability to get off passes when you think there's no that the play has come to an end. You got to think again a lot. So that is a big question, not only in this game, but I think all season long. Can the Cardinals get to the quarterback rushing four? Because you saw what it did for the Bills defense on Thursday night and how they were able to get to Matthew Stafford and only rush four. And then Vance Joseph, the ability to dial it up in the secondary. And I think this is just me surmising that a big key to this game will be the fact the Cardinals, I think, will stick with a strict rotation of experienced players on that defense so they can snap into different coverages and disguise things. The Chiefs, meanwhile, have a lot of new names and faces in their secondary. I mean, how complex can they get against Kyla Murray and not risk a missed assignment or mental error in week one? So I think Vance Joseph has virtually everything at his disposal. And if you go back to the Tennessee win last year, big win, dominant win. And what Cliff Kingsbury said after that game, and I quote, VJ put together a real masterpiece, end quote, about the game plan. It makes me wonder what he has in store for Patrick Mahomes in this one because he sort of had a quiet confidence about him, although maybe that had to do with the fact that he had no voice in talking to the media this week, Vance Joseph. (laughs) Meaning he was doing a lot of yelling, perhaps, (laughs) on the football field during the week of practice. But to your point, if we anticipate Devon Kennard getting elevated from the practice squad to the active roster, Kingsbury said as much, Vance Joseph said as much. We're just waiting for that official release from the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe we don't see uh, as much Cameron Thomas, my Jay Sanders, or the snap counts are limited because you want to ease them in, and maybe this is not the best matchup 
quarterback-wise. And don't forget, the Chiefs offensive line, that is a unit that doesn't get nearly enough credit. But looking at all of the metrics, if you will, I know, hashtag no math, sorry, Paul. But everyone that predicts run rates, pass blocking grades, they have the Chiefs as the number one offensive line going into this wow. season. Wow, I did not know that. And I'll, I'll say this much, Andy Reid, uh, one of the best to ever do it, and 8-1 and one in season openers as the head coach of Kansas City, if there's a matchup that he thinks a li- there's, it's a liability, he'll target it. Not unlike what happened to Isaiah Simmons in the opener two years ago at the 49ers, Raheem Morster comes out on the wheel route, and he gone against Isaiah Simmons, who was a step slow getting to the spot in space. And so you know, just like a Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid will test a guy like a MyJ Sanders or Cameron Thomas, try and get those guys in coverage. For that reason, yeah, I don't expect a lot of snaps out on that field. If Zayvon Collins is truly going to be a regular on the Cardinals defense, he will get tested. There's no doubt in my mind that Patrick Mahomes will go after Zayvon Collins, either in the run game, running straight at 25, or putting a tight end or running back out of the backfield against Zayvon Collins and see if he can cover. So, uh, But what's interesting is what Jalen Thompson told us in the Big Red Rage, that they've been meeting at 6, 6.30 in the morning. Some extra homework with Zayvon Collins. Jalen, some other team leaders on defense, trying to make sure he has every asset, every aspect of that playbook down that he can play and not think I did talk to a team leader in that locker room this week Gree who said he thinks truly legitimately that Zavin has made big strides and that he's ready to use his six foot four 260 pound frame and be a wrecking ball on defense and really that's the message you got to play fast you got to hit the gap that's what guys are trying to instill in Zavin Collins if you see that opening, here comes the run, don't hesitate. Just bring it. Bring your big body into the gap and just try and wreak havoc and create chaos in the box. And if Zayvon Collins does that, that might be one of the bigger takeaways, win or lose, on Monday yes, no doubt. or even Sunday post game because Zayvon Collins, we know, hasn't seen the field a lot, especially late last season. But if he's on the field every single down or nearly every single down, that is a win for the Arizona yeah. Cardinals. Now, can you say the same about that Cardinals secondary going against Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the number of different offensive weapons? Yes, there's no Tyreek Hill. But you bring in a Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, draft Sky Moore. There are options that Patrick Mahomes has that are not named Tyreek Hill. And if you're the Cardinals on defense, what do you do, Byron Murphy? What do you do, Marco Wilson? And then after that? Is Christian Matthew really your number three cornerback right now as we speak here on Friday? Yes, he is. Speaking of targeting a matchup, if the seventh-round rookie Christian Matthew is out there in coverage, there's no doubt Patrick Mahomes will go the rookie's way. No hesitation whatsoever. They will test Christian Matthew. So for that reason, will he truly be out there? I don't know. We'll find out what happens when they inevitably go four receivers. I think you're going to see Jalen Thompson in the slot. Uh, He confirmed as much on the Big Red Rage. You know, but then what? If Isaiah Simmons is on Travis Kelsey, he's one of those four receivers, or do they go empty and 10 personnel? Now that's, that's a problem. There's no question about it. On the other hand, if you're going to play Kansas City, and every team in the NFC West will play the AFC West, I want Kansas City in week one because Marquez Valdez-Scanling missed a lot of the preseason, missed the last couple of weeks. Juju Smith-Schuster was banged up. 
He didn't get a lot of reps in the preseason with Patrick Mahomes. As many reps as Patrick Mahomes played in the preseason games, and by today's standard, he played a lot. There was a game where he led a pair of 12-play scoring drives. He didn't get as many reps as they wanted with some of these new receivers. Sky Moore is a rookie. He's not a big guy. He almost looks more like a running back. So we'll see what the learning curve is for the rookie out of the gates. I just wonder what sort of sync the passing game is in for the Chiefs from the get-go. What kind of chemistry and connection he has with the receivers. I think that's where Kyler does have an advantage. He knows his receiving group a lot more than maybe Mahomes does. Uh, The problem is now without Rondale Moore, okay, where does that leave the Cardinals exactly? But once again, that's one of those intriguing aspects of week one. You just truly don't know what's coming. With Mahomes and his preseason reps, completed 18 passes to 10 different pass catchers. Interesting. So he's spreading the ball around. I don't know if you caught this earlier in the week, but he had a warning, Patrick Mahomes, a warning warning to fantasy football players about trying to predict Mm. his favorite receiver week to week, and perhaps maybe also a warning to defensive coordinators. Quote, the biggest thing is there's going to be a different player every single game that has the big game. It's not going to be necessarily Tyreek and Travis every single week, where it's like one or the other having a big game or both. Every single week, it's going to be someone different. So I'm sorry to all you fantasy football guys, end quote. <laughs> it's interesting. I've also seen some reports out of Kansas City where for that reason, some think that the Chiefs passing game will be more lethal. Because it'll be akin to the Kurt Warner days where I'm going through my progressions, one, two, three, and four, and even if the playoff game is on the line and you're the four-string tight end, Steven Spock, you're getting the ball if you're open. So, yes, in some ways, that could make for a more legit passing game. On the other hand, when you take away a Tyreek Hill who commands double coverage or at least bracket coverage over the top and – commands that sort of attention from the defense and dictates the coverage to the quarterback, makes it easier to make your reads. We've talked about this. Could the loss of a Tyreek Hill be akin to a loss of DeAndre Hopkins for Kyla Murray and be debilitating to an offense to the degree where, you know what, it's tougher to read these coverages. Teams are more able to play shell coverages and keep everything underneath. And you know, do they truly have that sort of speed? Now, they have a McCole Hardman, you know, Smith-Schuster, when, when he is healthy, he's a burner. MVS is a burner when he's healthy. Sky Moore supposedly has top-end speed. So once again, these are a lot of unknowns as to what it's going to look like in real action over four quarters. Um, but you know the Cardinals think, once again, that if they can disguise some of these coverage, snap into some different things, and maybe if they're not confusing Mahomes, maybe they can confuse the receivers who, remember, have to adjust accordingly to different coverages. And all it takes is a little bit to throw things off kilter. And pay attention to where Travis Kelsey is lined up. Is he in a three-point stance? Is he split wide? Is he in the slot? Now, I'll say this about Cardinals and covering the tight end position. What was it? Three years ago, Vance Joseph was asked Mm. repeatedly, week in and week out, because tight ends were burning this defense. That has not been the case the past two seasons. In fact, the Cardinals have one of the better defenses against opposing tight ends each of the past two seasons. Say what you want about that. That is in the past. This is now. But it is the fourth year for Vance Joseph with a lot of these players in the same scheme. And maybe that's a issue that has been rectified. And now it's finding out, okay, how to bring everyone else together 
And it's not just stopping the tight end, it's stopping everyone. Yeah, and you know what? I, I think that is advantage Cardinals. I think the football IQ on the defensive side of the ball favors the Cardinals versus the Chiefs. Nick Bolton, their inside linebacker, is in year two. He's calling their defense, so he's relatively young and, and inexperienced. They have a lot of new names in that secondary, minus Tyron Matthew. We know the football IQ on a Tyron Matthew and what he does to keep everyone aligned and the checks he would make, and he would call out the adjustments. They don't have that anymore for Kansas City. And so, I tell you, with Steve Spagnuolo's reputation, their defensive coordinator, for being ultra-aggressive and bringing the blitz at any time, and Kyler's ability to beat the blitz, you know, Kyler's one of those guys like a Kurt Warner, he would welcome the blitz because now it's easier to find an open receiver and his ability to, you know, get away from the rush and buy time and keep his eyes downfield, that's going to be a big key in this one. And the Cardinals have something they haven't had, and that is some legit sub-4-3 speed in Hollywood Brown. And what does that mean? Did you see the stat? Did I see this correctly? That in 2018, Kyler's Heisman campaign in Oklahoma, he had 11 touchdown passes to Hollywood Brown, and they averaged 51 yards per touchdown catch. That is just stupid. That is ridiculous. Average 51 yards per touchdown catch? That means you must have half of those, like 80 yards or something like that. So, now, is that realistic in the NFL? No. But the big play, I think, is going to be more present than ever just because you have Hollywood Brown in your lineup. And that's where I think a lot of the excitement for Sunday comes when you don't have a DeAndre Hopkins, maybe you don't have a Rondell Moore. Now, all of a sudden, Hollywood Brown becomes that much more important within this offense. And then we know about the chemistry between quarterback and wide receiver. It doesn't matter that those two didn't play a single snap in the preseason they've been playing together since 2017 on the scout team at Oklahoma and that is just carried over to now teammates with the Arizona Cardinals so it would not surprise me one bit remember a couple of years ago when D-Hop made his debut what was it how many targets against San Francisco it was like 14 or 14 yeah. catches 16 uh, targets 16 targets yes Yes, I would not be shocked if Hollywood Brown got a dozen targets. I, honestly, A, because of the connection and the chemistry and the friendship, as you know. I mean, right from the get-go, Greg Dortch told us after the Tennessee preseason game that he noticed right away in the offseason that the two of them would look at each other and make an adjustment. So they had that sort of you know ability to, to sync things up instantly. Uh, so there's that, and then there's how the Cardinals use their tight ends. Right now they have four. On the 53, correct? Correct. <laughs> so, all right, what does that mean? We saw Zach Ertz running in the open portion of Cardinals practice on Friday. What does that mean about his availability? Because if he is available, you might see him flexed out. Trey McBride is a natural pass catcher, the Cardinals' second-round rookie. Of course, he didn't get any targets, even though he played seemingly three-quarters of the game against Tennessee. So what does that mean? And, and then Max Williams, and, and I did not see this one coming. Max Williams has been declared full go. According to the head coach. So we know his ability is a dual tight end. And then Steven Anderson, uh, he has receiving skills, and he'll be a tight end as much as he'll be an H-back. What does that mean? you got to figure there's going to be different personnel formations. Think about what happened last year in Tennessee in the season opener. you got the megawatt package yes. out of nowhere at the goal line. All of a sudden, and I was on the sideline, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Why is J.J. Watt and Lecky Fotu, why are they off the defensive bench? Why are they all the way down standing with the offense as the Cardinals got into the red zone? Oh, that's why, because they're checking into the game. Interesting. They're huddling up with Kyler Murray, and here comes the megawatt package. 
What does Cliff Kingsbury have in store for a season opener? You know there's something he's been sitting on for several months that he saw on some sort of college film from D3 back in March when he was watching Hugh Freeze and Liberty or something ridiculous. You know there's something coming. That was the only time, by the way, that we saw the megawatt package all season <laughs> long true. was that week yeah. one. And it's funny because I can't remember who was mic'd up, but cameras and the microphones caught J.J. Watt, D.J. Humphreys, and Lecky Fotu on the sideline. Watt and Fotu didn't even know where the play was going <laughs> because everyone looked that direction and Kyler said, nope, I'm going to the right. And I still wonder, I think that's unanswered. Was there an actual run play called and was Kyler supposed to hand the ball off? Was it his own read? Did he just pull it on his own once he noticed everyone flowing left so he went right? I, I don't think we ever really got an answer to that one exactly. But speaking of J.J. Watt, I mean, talking to a couple of guys in the locker room, you know, if he can play, he really is a difference maker. There's no question about it. So if 99 can be paired up with 94, because there was a moment in Cliff Kingsbury's TV show this week, the initial uh, airing of Game Plan, Craig, and, 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 and I said, can you settle a bet, Coach, because Wolf has Andy Isabella as the most improved player from last year. I have Victor D. Mukherjee. And, of course, Cliff Kingsbury, he, he, he stuck it to both of us. He said, well, you're both wrong. Those are good choices, but it's really Zach Allen. Wow. He picked Zach Allen as most likely to have a breakout season. And when you listen to Zach Allen talk about how banged up he was last year, how he was available for most of the games, and, and he really was a stout player, and he graded out pretty dang well as a defensive tackle. But then you find out that the second half of the season, he couldn't even walk on a Monday. The ankle was so bad, he basically couldn't practice all week. He'd maybe do some walkthrough stuff on a Friday. And then he'd uh, he'd make it happen on game day. He did what was necessary to do to get out into that field, and then he'd do it again the next week. A, I got a lot of respect for his ability to be game ready and to bring it for four quarters. But B, it makes you wonder, man, what is he capable of when he isn't flat-footed? That's basically how he described his the one leg where the ankle was toast, was I was playing flat-footed. I just didn't have much push. Uh, on that side of my body. So, okay, uh, keep an eye on 94 in this game. Uh, I'm, I'm curious what he's capable of. So the head coach disagreeing with both Paul Calvisi yeah, there you go. and Ron Wolfley. It but was a week one reality check. With Wolf's most improved player. Andy Isabella. I, Andy. Yes. Without DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe without a Rondell Moore. All of a sudden, how much do we see 17? And Greg Dortch now all of a sudden, two players that were maybe on the outside looking in and then earned their way onto the roster after their performances in the preseason. Are they now going to be counted on even more because of what's happened to D-Hop, to Rondell Moore, Antoine Wesley on IR? All of a sudden, it's okay. We've got four healthy wide receivers, and two of them are Andy Isabella and Greg Dortch. And you know what? If there are two guys who are regular season ready, you got to figure it's Dorch and Isabella. I don't think Andy Isabella has smiled in 2022, honestly. I saw him again in the locker room this week, gave him the old fist bump, no smile whatsoever. I mean, he, he is A, locked in. B, can I say he's a little triggered? He's got something to prove. He's a little angry. He's, for a receiver to play angry, you don't hear that very often. I think of like an Anquan Bolden. But he would flip the switch. Boy, would have the biggest laugh and the biggest smile in the locker room during the week. But then once he went in between the white stripes, he was exactly the opposite. He was an assassin for a receiver. I mean, Andy Isabella, he just has an edge to him. He's definitely catching the ball better away from his body. So 
Yeah, and then uh, Greg Dorch, we, we've seen his ability to lock in and be a playmaker. So if it's Dorch and Andy Isabella and then an A.J. Green, they're really kept in bubble wrap most of August and, and legitimately so a decade in the league and seven Pro Bowls. But, you know, A.J. Green talks about how when he came back from COVID, he was never the same last season. And so uh, – and and, it, and I think he has something to prove. When I asked him early in the offseason – you feel like you, how much do you feel like you left out there last year? And he said, a lot. And he just stared me down, looked you in the eye. I left a lot out there. I should have had a thousand yard receiving season. So uh, there's another one that, once again, I think we're all intrigued to find out okay, what does year two in the system mean for A.J. Green? And if that offensive line can keep Kyler Murray upright, give him time to look at each progression. I got to like what I'm seeing out of this Cardinals offense versus the Kansas City Chiefs secondary. They have three rookies on their two deep listed in the secondary. Mm. Yeah, their first round pick, Trent McDuffie, who was linked to the Cardinals several times in mock drafts. But there's a lot of unknown. If we're going to talk about unknown with the Arizona Cardinals secondary, how about some unknown with the Chiefs secondary? And maybe all of a sudden Kyler Murray looks and says, all right, A.J. Green, okay, Zach Ertz, where am I going to go? Andy Isabella, Greg. Now all of a sudden, Kyler Murray has the options. I I can just envision already Cardinals getting on the ball right away and going 10 personnel, as they like to do, (laughs) and they lead the league in that. But in this case, they go 10 personnel, I mean, with a definite design on figuring out where are those rookie cornerbacks? Who are the rookie cornerbacks lined up on? And until the play clock hits 15, remember Cliff Kingsbury can talk to his quarterback. So just like Sean McVay did back in the day with a young Jared Goff, Cliff Kingsbury's looking at that secondary, he's looking at coverage, and he's telling Kyler Murray, you know, he's calling out numbers. Go, you know, and 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 then we know Kyler Murray, how many times last year he saw a matchup he liked, he'd just bag the play to sign and just throw it directly to a guy that he thought had a superior matchup, like AJ Green early in the year. There were a number of times where six foot four AJ Green was on a five foot nine corner and they said, you know what? This is like Larry back in the day. You might be covered, you're not covered, because you're going to get your big frame between the DB and the football, and this is going to be a completion and a first down. So I expect that to happen, to your point about the inexperience. And once again, how complex can the Kansas City Chiefs get out of the gate in trying to disguise coverages? It's pretty risky, whereas I think even though the Cardinals are thin, they have proven players in that secondary who have been in Vance Joseph's system for three or four years. And I think that's advantage Cardinals, just the ability to dial up different things in the football IQ that I'm curious whether Steve Spag- Spagnola will feel comfortable doing with his inexperienced secondary. The key, though, might be Rodney Hudson, Justin Pugh, Will Hernandez. Make sure Chris Jones, in the words of James Conner, a game wrecker, yep. does not wreck this game on Sunday like we've seen and Aaron Donald do a time or two and then all of a sudden really bother Kyler Murray in the pocket. So that offensive line, yeah, let Kyler Murray give him jet that split second to look from left to right or right to left in order to get the ball into the hands of his playmakers. We did Cardinals Underground, and Darren gave me a hard time because I said, you know what, you can't let this season pick up where last season left off, where your quarterback is rattled. And Darren said, oh, there's nothing from a game last season that carries. No, it's not the game or the momentum. There's nothing about that playoff loss in L.A. that's carrying over to this Sunday against the Chiefs. What I'm saying is in terms of the game plan, in terms of the game record, that Chris Jones can be akin to an Aaron Donald. So if your quarterback in Kyler Murray is either under center or in the gun, doesn't matter, but if he's got half an eye in the A-gap 
or the B-gap, wondering about Aaron Donald, wondering about Chris Jones. And he's leery that the Cardinals have the ability to keep that guy blocked and keep that monster off me, then that has a tendency to rattle any quarterback. And I think that was a big problem against the Rams in the playoff game, is that Kyler knew that right guard was a liability last season. And Aaron Donald exploited that in week 14. What do you have in that game? 14 pressures? Yeah, Something that just was stupid. Yeah. Right? He That's had a good a, word for it, stupid. He had a season worth of quarterback pressures literally in one game. And then, so of course, Kyler went into the playoff game a little apprehensive as to whether they had a plan or the capability, the ability. You always have a plan, but do you have the ability to get a guy blocked? So this is just me, but I think Justin Pugh, if he's healthy with that neck injury, he spent all offseason working on just the mechanics of left guard. And he, he really, just talking to him on the Big Red Rage, feels good about where he's at in his game, especially his pass blocking. Will Hernandez has looked really good, and he's really confident. If you want to go into a game and it's a matter of being physical, you want a Will Hernandez. And then we know Rodney Hudson. He has proven. We haven't seen much of Rodney Hudson, so you presume he's regular season ready. But if there's one guy sort of akin to a DeAndre Hopkins who's not apt to practice but then perform on game day, yeah, I'd bet on Rodney Hudson. I'm okay if I don't see Rodney Hudson during the week. I need to see him, though, on Sunday. I don't care if I don't see DeAndre Hopkins during the week. I need to see yeah. him on Sunday. Otherwise, yeah. i got to wait until week seven for D-Hop for other reasons. But, yeah, Rodney Hudson just might be the key for this entire game on Sunday as far as the offense is concerned because you know, even though Kyler and Patrick Mahomes don't have a relationship, you know Kyler would love to be able to win this game for the head coach so the head coach has some bragging rights when the Texas Tech group chat goes on Sunday nights and then for the next 365 days. There was the Patrick Mahomes quote this week where he gave Cliff props for being a coach for being a dad figure, for being a mentor. And then he followed up. This is Patrick Mahomes, and I quote, I hope I get the win so I'll have bragging rights for the rest of time. (laughs) rest of time. End quote. Okay. Wow, there's a lot more on the line than I realized. The rest of time. Eternity. The outcome of this game is going to figure into eternity for Patrick Mahomes. Forget a dinner bet or a round of golf. No, this this is eternity. Right. So, yeah, so I guess, you know, in the words of Bill Murray, I guess they really are playing for keeps in this one. My goodness. But back to Rodney Hudson for just a minute. The other reason why he's so instrumental is just the football IQ of Rodney Hudson, the experience to be able to identify fronts and change pass protections and call out the mic because Steve Spagnuolo arguably is the most aggressive defensive coordinator in the league when it comes to bringing the blitz. It's not just second and obvious, third and obvious, you know, passing situations. No, from my understanding, Steve Spagnuolo will dial up the numbers and bring numbers at any moment, at any time during a game. So you feel a lot better with a Rodney Hudson, who's seen everything, been there and done that when it comes to front sevens and what defensive coordinators are trying to do and is an absolute student of the game with a lot of film work behind the scenes so for that reason you hope 61 is in uniform and right there snapping the ball i also feel better about this stat and feel free to use this on the pregame here huddle go. i got my sunday pen. yep cardinals have won four straight home games against andy reed which includes the 2008 nfc championship game <laughs> obviously referring to the yeah. eagles when they were here at state farm stadium i did not realize that four so, straight home games was he the coach when john brown beat the eagles at home on the big like 80 yard bomb i believe so yeah carson palmer uncorked for john brown somehow 
incomprehensibly got behind the Eagles secondary with the game on the line and the Cardinals behind on the scoreboard. I think Andy Reid was the head coach when that happened, if I'm doing the math in my head. Although Andy Reid now is in his 10th season with KC. So, wow, I did not realize. So if we're going to talk about how many week one games Andy Reid has won in a row and Patrick Mahomes is 4-0, Kingsbury unbeaten in week yep. one games. Yep. So we're let's go back and talk about all the stats as far as history is concerned because sure. as much as there is the positive about the Chiefs, I can throw out positives about the Cardinals in week one. And look, the Chiefs' run in season openers is mondo impressive. I mean, seven straight openers, 8-1 under Andy Reid. They're 5-0 and on the road. Patrick Mahomes hasn't turned the ball over in four wins in week one in his career. So it's impressive, and it's really a contrast in head coaching styles and approaches to a regular season. We know how Cliff Kingsbury has run things, very similar to a Sean McVay, that he trusts the players to be ready. The regulars are not going to get reps in the preseason games. This year, less than any other preseason. Kyler didn't get a single rep, obviously. And then you have Andy Reid, who's playing his regulars and his starters and his franchise players a lot, who's running a tough old-school training camp. They're still on a college campus for three weeks, sleeping in dorms. They're still having late afternoon practices in the afternoon sun and heat. Chris Jones called it an extremely tough camp. You don't hear that much anymore. And so... It's just an intriguing contrast to the formula in which teams are getting regular season ready. And uh, these, these are two polarizing approaches, and, and we'll see how it plays out. You know, Tennessee still runs an old-style type camp, and uh, Cardinals definitely dominated that joint practice in Nashville. So it's intriguing to find out. What approach works better? not just for one game, but for an entire season. So we're not going to get an answer regardless of the outcome on Sunday, but it is something that's going to be talked about Sunday night and Monday morning and the days afterwards because which way did the wind blow as far as which preparation made an outcome that was beneficial for that particular team. So it's fascinating. The good news, Paul, is that we we, we can stop speculating and actually here in a couple of days actually get some tangible evidence on what this season potentially could look like forget about the projections forget about you know if I see another ranking I can't believe this week going into week one we're still getting like quarterback rankings and power polls around the league all right nobody cares that was all of last season the the early returns are starting to trickle in starting with Thursday night football do the Rams look like last year absolutely not So uh, minus OBJ, minus Andrew Whitworth, Matthew Stafford obviously looked like he looked more like the Lions quarterback and the way he was getting pummeled back there and the lack of pass protection. So every year is radically different. What is it every single year for the last decade or so? There have been four different playoff teams, right? I mean, literally the playoff field changes out year to year, almost 50%. So uh, there's a lot of things we think we know. But we don't know. Who expected to go into Tennessee last year and blow out the Titans? Not me. Who expected the Cardinals to start 7-0 and or 10-2? and Not me, and we're around the team every single day. And I most certainly did not expect the Cardinals to lose five of their last six last year either. The simple fact is we can look into our crystal football all we want, and we simply don't know. It will become clear, the 125 on Sunday. That is the kickoff. Cardinals and Chiefs, the 2022 regular season is literally right here in front of us. 
And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.